I want to talk to you today about how to feel the presence of God. As, and I want to read the scripture. We're going to go to Luke chapter 24, verse 28. And I'll talk more about this after I read the text. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if we were going farther. Now, you may not know the context here, but let me give you the context. Jesus has been crucified. He has risen from the dead. None of his, his disciples are not aware that he has risen from the dead. In spite of the fact that he told them, I will be back and I will rise from the dead, they still weren't aware of it. Uh, they're no different than us, right? And uh, so he's risen from the dead and he's walking down the road. Two guys who've been in Jerusalem, who've seen everything that's gone on, except the resurrection, of course, are walking home. As they're walking home, one's named Cleopas, and we don't know the other's name, but Jesus begins to walk alongside them, and they did not know who he was. So as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. They had been talking to him, and uh, he, had, you know, he, had, he had talked to them about uh, the scriptures. Don't you know the prophetic scriptures that says this Jesus had to come, and he had to die, and he would be resurrected? And, uh, uh, and, and then it comes to the point where he's going to go on, they thought, and they were going to go into their house. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them, what we just did. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and they disappeared, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? I want you to just underline that sentence. Were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures. In other words, they felt his presence before they knew who he was. The most uh, uh, Albert Einstein made this comment one time, or he read, wrote it. I don't know how we got it exactly, but he said the most beautiful experience we can have here is the mysterious, this world. It is the fundamental emotion that stands out as a cradle of true art and true science. And that's amazing that, that, a, that a scientist would say the basis, of, uh, the basis of a beautiful experience is to experience the mysterious, that which you do not know, that which you do not understand. He's kind of he's telling us how discoveries are actually made. We, we know things with our bodies before we know them with our minds. And then we know them from our, our souls and spirits before we know them with our minds. Let me finish the quote. Whoever does not know it can no longer wonder with longer, can no longer wonder, no longer marvel, is as good as dead, and his eyes are dimmed. What an amazing quote. If I could only do one thing, get you to do one thing today and one thing in life, it would be to pursue experiencing the presence of God. Uh, have you noticed, by the way, the God is dead movement is dead? I don't know if you realize that, but the God is dead movement is dead. Uh, it was, that was a big thing when I was young, the God is dead movement. Colleges and universities were all saying God is dead. And then we had the rise of the, the uh, new atheist, you know, the, the uh, four horsemen. I won't go into explaining You can look it up. And a lot of young people got on board. The new atheists, everybody's afraid of the new atheists. They're going to take all our young people. And now 
the new atheists aren't even talking anymore because they've been canceled. <laughs> Richard Dawkins, one of the main ones, he got up somewhere and told a, told a joke that was considered insensitive, and now nobody will book him anymore, so he's done. <laughs> so the new atheists are going, what happened? We thought, we thought we were going to take over the world. We thought, thank God for science. We, got, we have science now, we don't need God. I'm convinced that everyone has some degree of faith that there is a God. I'm convinced. And I'm convinced that probably in this room right now, probably like 99.9% believe there's a God. Maybe there's kind of one person sitting there in this room that doesn't. But I'm even, even then, even if you're a doubter, I believe you would like to feel the presence of God. You'd like, you'd like to feel his presence even if you doubt he exists. Thirdly, while the appearance of God often causes fear, the presence of God invariably, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the appearance of God, I'm talking about the presence of God fills us with peace and serenity and power. And I believe everybody in the room would like to feel that serenity and that power and that peace. This is not to say that feeling God's presence is the only pursuit we should be interested in, by the way. Nor should we think that feeling God's presence is a validation for all of our beliefs or our theological beliefs or our personal opinions. It is not. In the end, truth matters more than experience. But without any fear of contradiction, I assert that God has put in our souls the need to know Him before we know about Him. I believe that God has put in our souls the need to know Him before we know about Him. And as someone, as you know me, and you've been here a while, you know I'm very interested in the intellectual side of, of faith. And, and I'm very attracted to the intellectual side of faith. So I'm, I'm, always, I'm always trying to get you to believe truth. I'm always trying to say, this is what is true, this is what is true, this is what is true. But I have to be honest, I believe the Lord has dealt with me lately about, listen, they cannot, they, they cannot, grasp truth until they know me. And I want to know them. I want to know them in a very intimate way. I want to know, I want the people to have a felt experience with me. I want the people to have a felt experience with me. It's kind of like human development. A child becomes intimately familiar with its parents' presence before it can intellectually even know that it's Parents are its parents. Uh, a, a little Silas Dean knows the voice of his mother. In fact, we were we were marveling the other day when when Ellie would speak, he would he would kind of come to attention. So our theory is that he's been hearing her voice all these months, more than other voices. And so this little baby, this little baby who has no idea that. Jason's his dad and Maris's mom and Ellie's his sister. He would not be able to grasp that. You could you could sit there and explain it to him all day, but he would he's just going to spit up, you know. <laughs> but he knows his mommy. He knows his daddy. He knows his sister. He doesn't know his pop yet, but he he will. Isn't that a great analogy for what God wants for you? Isn't that a great analogy of what needs to be happening with you? And 
I still love the intellectual approach. I still believe it's important. I believe figuring out what truth is is really important. And we've, we've sometimes in the church world, we've gone off the rails with placing experience above everything. You know, we've gotten off into false doctrine because somebody had an experience and they built a doctrine on it. They built a truth on it. They said, that's true. No, that's not how you find truth. But it's how you find fulfillment for your soul. It's how you find peace. It's how you find joy. You will never find peace and you'll never find joy from an intellectual fact. I don't care if you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Genesis account of creation is correct. It's not going to fill you with the Spirit of God. The only thing that will fill you with the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I think, let, me, let me give you two examples before I get into the meat of this. That presence matters. First, the birth of the early church. Think about this. Jesus is, Jesus is um, going back to heaven. He doesn't send them to seminary. He doesn't send them to get a master's degree in church development. He sends them to the upper room to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was the great apologetic that he wanted them to have. And then I think of John the Revelator who wrote the, the story of the end of all things, the culmination of the ages. And John said this in Revelation 1.10, before he began to hear any of his revelation, he said, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the Spirit. So the book of Revelation began with a man feeling the presence of God. So let me tell you, I'm just going to give you a how-to, how to feel the presence of God. Number one, don't under underestimate a single experience of God's presence. You know, you, you will... We often, again, a, a metaphor that I keep coming back to, and probably will quite often, is the metaphor of that uh, thermostat turning it up a notch. And so, oftentimes, we preachers and we pastors, we want to we want to lift up to you these people, these great saints of old, who like you probably never heard the name, Praying Hyde. Praying Hyde was a guy who prayed so much that he had big calluses on his knees because he prayed so much. And so we lift these ideas up to you that, yes, pastor's wanting me to become, you know, fast and pray for 40 days, and I've, I've, got, to, I've got to fast one day a week, and I've got to spend an hour in prayer every morning. That would be great. That would be great if, you, if you're able to do those things. But why don't you just start with one experience? Just one time, stick your toe in the water of feeling the presence of God. Why don't you just one time lift your hands and ask God to fill you with His Spirit and not worry about the, the daily disciplines yet? Why don't we just start with one experience? Didn't, didn't your relationship with your beloved probably start with a kiss? And that's when you knew, right? And here you are back, you've got four kids and a mortgage and a car payment. <laughs> But you will receive power, Jesus said. He didn't say go and learn, even though that was important. He would talk about that later. But initially, he just said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not when you know something more, but when you feel something more. Think about it. While it's true that Christ taught 
many things during the last three years, much of which apparently went right over their heads. Obviously, that's not to say it was wasted because he promised them the Holy Spirit would come on them and remind them of everything that God said. However, when he was leaving them to return to the Father and, and, and notably unknown to them, he was planning on launching the global church. He did not even explain to them. He didn't even give them a five-year plan. He didn't even explain to them what they were about to do. He didn't even explain to them what I'm going to build a church and there are going to be millions of churches and they're going to build buildings and cathedrals. He didn't even explain to them. He didn't give them a week-long seminar or teaching experience. He just said, go wait until something spiritual happens to you. That's not to say that such things are, aren't appropriate, training and teaching and developing five-year plans. But the Lord must have known these disciples of his were emotionally and mentally exhausted. They were emotionally and mentally exhausted by the trauma of the previous 40 days. Think of what they had gone through. Their world had been turned upside down. So he planned for them a simple formula that would put them in a position to experience a single event of God's presence in a way that they had never experienced before. I think that's appropriate for our times. I think many of you, I think many of us, we're emotionally exhausted. We're mentally and emotionally exhausted. And sometimes you come in here on a Sunday morning and I want to fill your heads with content, more content and more content. It's not that you're, you're smart. You're, you're smart enough to understand these things. You're smart enough to go research them yourself. But you're emotionally and mentally tired. You know, that's a real thing. They've done MRI scans and brain scans and pictures. Your brain really gets tired. They see that after people have studied for a long time, the areas of the brain that receive information stop lighting up after a few hours. Right? My neurologist can confirm that here. The brain really gets tired. And if your brain is not tired, then you are living in a cave. <laughs> I mean... This week, this week, we've all become experts on submarines <laughs> and Russian coups. I mean, in, 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 in like a three, four-day period. If your brain is not tired, then you are, I don't know, you're staying in your room and you have no media and no, no, no one has access to you. and You just get out to go to church. That's it. I love that woman in the Bible. That woman in the Bible who was tired and she was exhausted because she had had a bleeding sickness for years and all the she had spent all her money on doctors to get better. And when she, the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 26, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, I, I love the King James on this, she said within herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Not if I go to one of his three-day seminars. Not if I read his book. What you need to do is all that. I'm not, I, I'm not going to change my, my belief that we need to connect our brains with our hearts. But I love that story because here's a tired, exhausted, emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted woman 
who had tried everything. And she said, if I can just do this one thing, if I can just touch Jesus. There's some people in this room right now. That's exactly where you're at. That's exactly where you're at. All you can manage, you're tired mentally, you're tired emotionally, you're tired physically. I've never seen people so busy. I've never seen people working so hard as you are right now. That's why it's hard to get anything on the calendar. Because you're all booked up. I, I can't fix all of that. It's the world that we live in. And some of you just need to touch Jesus this morning. You just need to touch Jesus. Secondly, make experiencing God a priority. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my pole pants for you. My, my God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That'll get you somewhere when you start talking and thinking like that. Oh God, you're my God. I earnestly watch for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 63.1 You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. I wish I had a way to, the, to experience the presence of God for the barely interested and the half-hearted seeker, but I don't have a way. That's one thing I can't offer you this morning. I can't offer a way for you to experience God if you're disinterested. You know, I know many of you are in sales. How many of you are in sales this morning? How many of you are in sales? Raise your hand real high. You're in sales. Okay. I, 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 uh, I know that you wake up every morning and think, I'm going to go out into the world today looking for those who feel little or no need for my product. <laughs> That's who I want to meet today. <laughs> No, you're like, we, we had an old preacher. He was a funny, funny guy named Red Ammons. You can just imagine a, a Texas guy named, who we call Red Ammons. You just imagine what that looked like, right? He was a tall, red-headed guy. And he preached this little church not too far from my home. And, and he it was having, in those days, a preacher would come in, and it, people weren't as busy in those days, so they would go to church every night for a week, two weeks. And he came in to preach with, quote, revival, and and one night he gets up to, to preach, and he preaches a sermon. He, he starts into the end of the end of the altar time, and he has everybody stand up, and he has everybody close their eyes, and he walked out the side door and left. The next night he comes back. He said, I know you all wonder why I left last night. He said, it was like this. One day I went to feed my little boy some food, and I put the food in the spoon, and he turned his head, and I stuck the spoon in his ear. And I tried again. He bowed his head. I hit him in the forehead with the food. <laughs> food spilled everywhere. He said, you know why he was acting like that? Because he wasn't hungry. He said, last night, you people weren't hungry. <laughs> I love that story. I, I tell it every five years. <laughs> until God comes, you know, until God comes alive in your heart, you will feel a void, though, that worldly success can't fill. And until you get hungry for something that the world can't give you, you're not going to want this. You will struggle to find God's purpose and meaning for your life if you don't get hungry for God himself. You will be unaware of God's amazing love and compassion, no matter how many books you read about it. You will miss out on the profound peace and inner joy that comes from divine connection. 
you will continue to search for something greater to transcend the limitations of this world, this material world, but you will not find it if you don't get hungry for God. You can study, somebody said, I can't pronounce his name, Shams Tabrizi, said you can study God through everything and everyone in the universe because God is not confined in a mosque, synagogue, or church. But if you're still in need of knowing where exactly his abode is, there's only one place to look for him in the heart of a true lover. I have underestimated, I, Pastor Phil, has underestimated the importance of the presence of God. Even though I experience it in my own life. And it's a huge part of my own journey. The third thing I would tell you to do today to feel God's presence is do what people who experience the presence of God do. The Bible says don't merely listen to the word and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. John Piper said, if you want to experience God's presence, do what he asks you to do. Imagine planning a, a trip to a beautiful place that you've never been to. Can someone give me, uh, is there, I thought we had boxes of tissues for our, I guess we're not planning on any weeping before God because we don't have any tissues down here. Imagine, thank you very much, thank you, somebody's prepared for a, for a weeping service. Planning a trip to a beautiful place that you've never been. Say you just moved here and someone tells you, oh, you know, you have to go to Acadia National Forest, right? And you might know it's in Maine and on the coastline, but a little more. So you get in the car with your significant other and you say, hey, Siri, give me directions to Acadia National Forest. You do that, right? Then you proceed to do the exact opposite. <laughs> Everything that she says. And I feel like that sometimes, don't you? But don't you just like feel like I feel like this person's too bossy? <laughs> Sherry and I've had some of our best fights with her telling me where to go. <laughs> telling me the shortest way. She's so efficient. I want to go. I just want to go the way I feel. No, that's taking us five minutes longer. <laughs> so, so you, you just take you just turn on the series. Say, take me to Acadia National Forest, and you go the other way. You might end up in it. You might end up at South Beach in Miami, right? I don't know where you might end up. You won't end up in Acadia National Forest. So, the Bible's just full of instructions about how to enter His gates with thanksgiving. Lift your hands, pray. Lift your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. There's all kinds of directions about how to enter the presence of God. Lift your voice and cry out, the scripture says. There's all kinds of ways to enter the presence of God. Alignment equals experience. Alignment equals experience. Align yourself. Do, you know, that's one of the ways to be more successful in life is go watch a successful person and do what they do. Why is that so hard to understand? You know, go watch somebody. You see somebody and they seem to be really healthy and in great physical shape. Don't go pray about it. Say, what do you do to be in such great shape? Well, I do this, this, and this. I, I'll, I keep looking over at you. What do you do? Uh, that, what do you do? do, you, do, do you look at this man. Look at him. <laughs> what? What, <laughs> what do you do to be in such great physical condition? 
You model other people. Well, what, what does that do? What does that look like every week? How often do you go to the gym? Five days a week. Five days a week. Go to the gym. Okay. So you say, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, sorry, you can't have that if you don't do that. <laughs> Number four, give God time, attention, and affection. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. We could, there's a lot to unpack in that story. I'm not going to bother. But think about, think about this way. When you think, think about time, attention, and affection. If you have a potential romantic partner who wants to avoid experiencing intimacy with you, they will regulate time, attention, and affection accordingly. If you have a romantic partner who wants to experience intimacy with you, they will also regulate time, attention, and affection accordingly. A potential, here's another way to look at it, a potential conversation or relationship follows the same pattern. Are there, are there people, just be honest with me, you, you don't have to sit, speak out, please don't, don't speak out, okay? But if, do you ever see people that you know they're given to extended expressions, which means they talk a lot. They tell long stories, and they hook one story onto the next. And you love them, and you care for them. But do you ever find yourself avoiding them? <laughs> because you have things to do. You have places to go and people to see. And so you go, well, I'm not going to give them time, attention, and affection right now, or I will be standing here for 30 minutes. Shifting from one leg, and that leg gets tired, and you shift to the other leg. <laughs> and you're hearing about things that you have no interest in. Now, that never, I never feel that way about any of you, so, <laughs> so don't worry. This is about some fictional people that I used to know. I'm saying, if you want to connect with someone, you give them time, attention, and affection. And you will likely, if they are also interested in time, if they are also interested in, in any form of intimacy with you, they will return it. And let me tell you the good news. God sent his son to die on the cross. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants to have intimacy with you. That's how much he wants to hang with you. That's, he, that's how much he wants to hear your long stories. And he wants to tell you stories. He wants to share a breakthrough moment with you. I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. We can have all of God that we want, and we do. Finally, uh, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to connect with the presence of God in this very service. I realize it might be intimidating to come forward and confess, I need to feel more of the presence of God. Some of you here used to experience the presence of God. You can remember it, man. You can remember when you laughed and wept. Maybe you even danced before the Lord because you felt his presence so much. 
but you've drifted away from that. And you need to return to that place of presence, of practicing His presence. And so I know it might be intimidating even for you to come forward and be prayed for today, but I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come and get in place because I'm going to invite you in a moment, for those of you in this room who say, I need to feel the presence of God more than I do. I'm going to invite you to come and be prayed for today because that's biblical. They laid hands on people in the book of Acts and they received the Holy Spirit. When hands were laid on them, it's all through the Bible. Let me give you my final point. Talk to God and pour out your heart to Him. If you missed everything else I said this morning, if you missed everything, you were distracted, you were thinking about whatever, but you missed everything I said, I want you to hear this point because this is really all, all, you, all you need this morning. And it's one of the easiest ways to connect with God. The, the Bible says it in, this way in Psalm 62, 8. Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Joyce Meyer said it this way. Pouring our, our heart to God is an invitation for Him to pour out His presence on you. Now, I think this is really important. I think this is really important because a lot of us have been taught, and I know the scripture we use to teach it, that the only way to approach God is by saying, by praising Him. And so we've taken that as a formula, that the only way to talk to God is, oh God, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, that's fine. That's the, you need to do that, by the way. But if you look at the whole scope of scripture, one of the main ways that people connected with God was through their pain their frustration, their suffering, their, their uh, sadness, their grief. God does not require you to only come to Him with praise and with thanksgiving. You know, pain is a great motivator. Uh, as, uh, as I enter the golden years of life, uh, I, you know, I used to go, Jim, I used to go to prime timers. Sherry and I would go just to hear about everybody's doctor's appointments. <laughs> and uh, I would think, I, this is arrogant, I'm sorry guys, I'll, I'll confess, I would think, that'll never be me. I'll never be going to the doctor all the time. I'll never be talking to... And, 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 I, and I, I worked, I, I kept that up to like 60, 62, you know, except I had cancer and because I went to the doctor for that. I found out that what gets you to the doctor is not because you love the doctor. What gets you there is pain. That's what causes you to go to the doctor. I mean, the other day I had uh, tendonitis pop up in this elbow, and I did everything. I found this. I can't take it anymore. Pain is what gets you to the doctor. And so some of you this morning, you're in discomfort, frustration, sadness, grief, Confusion. Maybe God lets you have that so you would be motivated to come and tell him your troubles. You know, God wants to hear your troubles. God wants you. And one of the great ways to enter the presence of God is just come and tell him everything that's occupying your conscious mind. Tell him all of your worries, all of your fears, all of your frustration, all of your pain. All of your anger, pour out all of your anger to God. Take the risk. 
I will promise you, if you will do that, you will feel the presence of God. Back to the story of Cleopas and his friend who walked with Jesus, although they pretty much missed it in the moment. Christ was revealed to them through his presence before he was revealed to them through a miraculous sign. I believe that Jesus is here in this moment right now. I believe that Jesus is in this moment to cause your heart to warm at the sound of his voice, right? I, I, I believe in this moment that Jesus is here. I, I believe as, as, the, as the, the, the woman with the issue of blood said, if I can just touch him, for you to touch him, and by touching him, he touches you, I believe you will be transformed. If you can understand, those men who walked with Jesus, they were, they were, they were knowing Jesus and didn't know they were knowing him. And right now, I want you to think about where you're at. And those people that I've been talking to for the last five minutes, I really want to challenge you to get out of your seat in a moment or of where you're going to be standing and come down here and ask these people to pray for you. Now, you may come with any need that you have today. Our prayer partners are here to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. So it doesn't have to be in response to the sermon. But many of you need to come and you need to ask God to fill you with the Spirit and touch you at a deep level. And begin your walk with him, not intellectually, but emotionally. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, I want you to come. Our worship team is going to be singing, leading us. I want you, those of you that stay back, please enter worship and begin to sing with them if you can. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I need to feel your presence. We need to feel your presence. Bethany Community Church needs to feel your presence. We need to invite your spirit to... The scripture says in many places that you fill the house where they were sitting. So I invite you right now to fill this building with your glory and with your presence. And that show every one of us the way to the throne. You said in the scripture that we could receive, that we could approach the throne of God boldly that we might find grace to help in time of need. God, this morning we need, we don't need more information most likely. We need more grace. And so we go for grace in Jesus' name. Amen.